want you to listen. Then what? Share it. The Melbourne Youth and Social Workers Group and the Knowledge on Tick podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Boonarong and Wurundjeri people, their elders past and present. We would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the land, her children and our families. We would like all of us to show respect for each other, Mother Nature and the creatures on the land and the sea. Hey everyone, the Melbourne Youth and Social Work Facebook group would like to welcome you to the Knowledge on Tick podcast. We are Josh and Nat and we will be your co-hosts for the potty. Knowledge on Tick is a podcast offering real-life conversations and insights every week with workers in the field covering a range of topics surrounding the youth and social work world. We are so grateful to have you here and happy listening. Well, welcome back to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. I am Josh. And I'm Nat. And today we are joined by Lyndon Galea. Hey guys, how are you going? Well, good. thank you. That's good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, could you give everybody a little intro about yourself? Yeah, totally. So I'm Lyndon. I'm 33 years old. I grew up in Shepparton in Victoria, um, did all my schooling there and and uh, work beyond sort of high school and, and more recently been working on uh, Eat Up where we provide free lunches to disadvantaged school kids. Awesome. That's cool. so cool. Yeah, it's a really an interesting um like program that you work in and that you founded, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before we get into it, we always start off with five different questions. Um, so the first one. Is what did your parents do for work? My dad is a, was, was a panel beater. He's moved on a little since then. So he left school in year nine and um, worked as an apprentice panel beater, um, now has built this really amazing sort of uh, company which started as panel beaters and then moved into truck repairers and truck parts and earth-moving spare parts, um, and he's got some branches in, in different states around Australia. So he's done super, super well, so very proud of Dad and, and learnt a lot from him. Yeah. And my mum has always worked with Dad through the, the business as well, doing the payroll and things like that, but also really looking out for my older sister and myself and my younger brother. Um, and she's, yeah, for sure, like the, the smartest person in our family. She's a, she's a, a, a real whiz. So, um, yeah, she, she probably could have done incredible things in her own personal career, but certainly gave up a lot for my uh, brother and sister and I. Yeah. Oh, mum, what a legend. Yeah, absolutely. How cool is that? Yeah. I love hearing what people's parents have done for work. I find it so intriguing. Yeah, definitely. I don't know why. Yeah. I always <laughs> wonder how far the apple falls from the tree. Yeah. Like that's one thing for me. Yeah. So do you have like a mechanical mind? Like can you work with cars and things? Not really, no. I do I do love cars and, and my dad is is certainly a petrol head. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of that mechanical mind of how to fix a car, how to put it together, I, I yeah, can't say I, I have most <laughs> of that. I'm happy to drive around and like he's we used to have uh, go-karts he would sort of fix <sighs> up in the middle, but it would be us just driving them and him kind of fixing them after we crashed. So, um, again, him staying true to his panel beta roots and I guess I, I helped by uh, crashing the cars Yeah, yeah. enough. But um, I think, like, when I look at my mum and dad's profession, that there have always been this mix, I suppose, of, like, what you might call, say, street smarts and, and then sort of book smarts. Like, yeah. my mum's, my like, super, super intelligent um, an absolute wizard at trivia competitions and, and just so well read and, and broad and, and then dad's just got this this sort of great way with people never, like I said, finished his high school or, or uh, is, isn't as challenging on the trivia competitions, you could, you could say, <laughs> but it's just got this sort of 
very inspiring sort of entrepreneurial spirit and connects with people. Mm. So I, I think they're this great mix um, and definitely learn a lot from both of them. Yeah, it sounds like they balance each other out. And yeah. I also love when you hear about like people like what you said about your dad is has this pretty successful business for himself but left school in year nine. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. there's definitely a stigma of oh, if you didn't do your BC or year 12, like you, you yeah. don't have the qualifications or you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. I really like, and obviously back when our parents were younger, it was more mm. common for them to leave school at such a young age to start working for the family. But it just goes to show that it's not necessarily just a formal education of you know, your VCE that you need to be able to, you know, be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Not at all. He's, he's certainly proven that. Yeah. yeah what a cool. legend. Uh, all right. So who is the most famous or well-known person in your phone book? Right. So one of our former Eat Up driver facilitators now lives in Norway, but you might recall mm. the reality TV show. It, I don't know how many seasons it ran for, but definitely one, and he was on it, called Kiss Bang Love. Do you remember that? Yeah. That was the reality show. Where of course, they, I know the trashy reality show. You might even remember him, so this might be extra special for oh you. My God. So this is the one where they used to wear a blindfold, yeah, um, and then sort of kiss a series of different people, and then they would choose just from that who they would go on a date with. Yeah. So his name's Chris. Okay. And um, yeah, he was one of our star eat up drivers. He now lives in Norway uh, with his fiance over there, but awesome guy, so cool. And he was like the uh, he was a cast member, so he was he was the one, I, I guess, who was who was um, on, on the show, like he, he was the full episode. And actually Terry, who's Chris's best mate, mm. now also works with us. And there was a part of the show like where they would sort of consult <laughs> with their best friend and yeah, sort of yeah. see how they're feeling about it. And um, Terry was that friend. So they're wow. like um, doubly. So so perhaps not like from the A-list, but I, I did say earlier, so I used to be involved with a magazine called X Magazine. Mm. And um, that was quite a while ago now, so probably like, um, 2008, so over 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and we used to get the opportunity to interview different musicians and things like that. And it was in 2008, and just when Flume was starting out. Oh yeah, and yeah. he was he was still like playing local, um, just small gigs. Yeah, in in Bendigo at the time, like he was playing local. He was coming through town, mm-hmm. so like we got to have so we had his mobile phone and and like uh, Claire Bowditch, um, Charlie XCX, we interviewed and and mm-hmm. a few like host City and Color. There were. Heaps of different sort of cool ones. So short-lived, but I, we haven't bothered or pestered them since. So they maybe don't count as official uh, phone numbers. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's I think cool. they count as official. Yeah. We've got an undisclosed competition going on, which I don't know how I'm going to manage to get a famous person's phone number, but What's been I will the most beat you. impressive one you guys have had on the show so far? Uh, probably Danny Minogue. Danny Minogue was oh, a yeah, pretty no, good yeah, one. That is a pretty good one, yeah. I yeah. felt bad that I said the better Minogue. And then I was like, that's probably offensive. And then I was like, mm. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Danny Minogue, um, uh, Dusty, Dusty yeah. Martin from yeah, Richmond. Yeah, that's another good one. That was both the same person, I believe, who put those forward too. Uh, oh, no. no, we spoke about both, both of them in, in about, that. Yeah. So okay. Jill from St Kilda Mums mm. had um, Danny Minogue yeah. and then our first ever podcast we did with Sarah, mm. she had Dusty. Mm. Nice. Um, there was another one that we were really shocked by though, wasn't there? There was a couple of ladies from Dem, not, I keep saying Desperate Housewives, Melbourne Housewives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a couple of those. Yeah, I remember that one yeah. on episode two. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's we'll just say going. Chris and Terry are three and four then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, they're no there. Dusty. The story's good. Yeah. <laughs> all of the others too. How funny. Um, alrighty, the next one is what job wouldn't you do? Well, I like we're in a really lucky position here in, in Australia and access mm. in terms of the opportunities we get. So I guess more broadly at the moment it's just a, a job where you don't feel 
especially fulfilled or it's just something you're going through. Like I'd worked in sort of advertising sales and stuff like that in the past and there's a great job, great people and you enjoy it. But just when you you sort of finish the day and come home, it just feels like you're shifting things around that there's not like a really sort of great contribution. But an answer like that is is probably goes to show how lucky we are, you know, that any Mm. any job you can get is ultimately a good one, I suppose, isn't it, if if it helps support yourself and your family. So Yeah, for sure. um, yeah, I think I'd be up to giving most things a shot, yeah. at least. Yeah, fair enough. Too. I do love that. Uh, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Uh, a quote I really love and, and definitely sort of have lived by quite a bit. It's a Gandhi quote, which is just be the change you want to see in the world. So mm-hmm. I think that like speaks a lot about sort of eat-ups origins and, and I'm sure probably the, the work you guys do as well and just in terms of if you see something you, you want to change or contribute to or or, or help to, to try and like actively go and, and make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, Gandhi didn't tell that to me personally. So probably <laughs> one that, that's personally been told to me is my mum was always like really big on on good manners and, and things 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 like that, just being being kind. And I know that's a fairly perhaps um, common thing to say, but I think if you really uh, if if you always refer back to that, it'll it'll, it'll lead to many great things and, and I have great relationships and, and open sort of many doors and, and just I think it's it's a great way to connect with people. So great advice. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Mom. The parents, you know, like the I'd like to go back and do the statistics mm. on majority of people whose pieces of advice mm. have been from their parents. Yeah. Which is ironic because often they're the last person we want to take <laughs> advice from, but we can reflect back as yeah, adults yeah, yeah, that that advice yeah. at the time we've held on to. Yeah. I'll never so admit true. that, yeah. though, and I hope my dad doesn't listen to this. We don't acknowledge that. <laughs> and the last one is what was your aha moment? Aha moment. I remember when we dropped off our first sandwiches for Eat Up. It was just at the local school in Shepparton and, um, like, it started, I just took what I could from my mum's cupboard. So I didn't really have to buy much outside of about an extra $10 for mm. some extra loaves of bread. And I remember dropping the first batch off and the school were so thankful and, and starting to understand from them the help it would make. Again, only a fairly small thing to do, but I just left feeling really, really happy about it. And, and I just thought for such a small, easy, fast thing to do, it, it just really sort of struck me immediately that this is something I'd, I'd love to do more and more of and, and ultimately kind of dedicate sort of uh, best part of the past like seven years of my life till I suppose that it's come to this and, and just that great feeling I suppose that that comes with trying to help others. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about Eat Up? Yeah. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. So it's, it's a very simple premise. Um, so we provide free lunches to disadvantaged school kids who would otherwise miss out. Yeah. It started in Shepparton, so my hometown. It was in 2013. Um, it actually all began on the back of a local newspaper story in, in the Shep News, the local paper, and there was an article in there about a couple of schools where kids were regularly being sent to school without anything at all from home, and I was just really taken aback by that. Like, Shepherd in itself actually does have quite a reputation for disadvantage, but I, I n- never thought it was as serious as kids missing out on, on, on food. Mm. And um, being, you know, a relatively young guy at the time, I didn't have any grand skill set or, or finances or uh, anything I could contribute. Um, but in this instance, it just sort of seemed like something if, um, if if I could make a lunch for these kids, perhaps it could make it a little bit easier for them. And, and again, like I have such a love for, for Shepparton and, and the fact that it was my hometown and it's it's sort of a mid-sized town where I thought if I don't do anything, it's, it's perhaps unlikely that circumstances will change anytime soon for, mm. for, for those kids. And um, and it wasn't like a big complex 
thought out plan. It was just a pretty impulsive response. Like I'm going to make some sandwiches and, and drop them off. And yeah, it was in mum's mum's kitchen, um, pinching what I could from her cupboards and very basic stuff, of course, like bread, cheese, margarine, Vegemite. Mm. And um, with her help, help and some mates, we, we dropped them off. And it wasn't called Eat Up or any grand vision beyond that first drop. Um, but that's, that's how we got started. And, and now we do it on a much bigger scale, um, mm. thankfully with a lot more volunteers. Mm. Um, and it's become this organisation which, a lot like those beginnings, is, is built upon local help and people who very similar, like love where they live and want to make a difference in the areas that they call home. And it's just such an easy, accessible thing to do, like making sandwiches, we drop them off, and, mm. and then um, the, the real sort of stars or the heroes and the front line, much like what you guys do, is, is the teachers who get to connect with those kids. They distribute it to the kids and, um, and that's where the real difference happens, you know, with the full stomach and they can focus their best in the classroom, not miss out on the benefit that's a great education and, and the investment that's made around the education system to, to think that in a country as lucky as ours, kids could miss out on that just because we couldn't support on a broader level to make sure that they um, have a full stomach and, and can get that opportunity to maximise that time at school. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's something we, we do now and, and do across Victoria, New South Wales and, and Queensland, but wow. but want to do it ultimately nationally. Like we know the need is a national one. Um, so that's been our motivation since to, to try and service it that broadly. That's mm. crazy. I was about to say, and so you're Victoria <laughs> wide? <laughs> no. <laughs> so did you start obviously just in Shep, expanded through Victoria and then went to the other states or? Yeah. So it's like started in 2013 and really it was probably those first four years. Like uh we delivered to the schools in Shepparton and I didn't have any sort of thought or expectation that we would grow beyond that. And, and honestly, like that initial surprise that it was an issue at all and, and then learning about the Shepparton schools, I sort of, again, assumed it was just isolated to those two schools and, mm. and didn't think that it would be a bigger concern. And um, after that first drop, I, I started to research more deeply the issue of kids missing out on food just to try and understand what was happening and, and became aware of some some much larger statistics from Food Bank Australia around kids missing mm. out on food and uh, one in eight Australian kids arriving at school hungry and um, also like that first drop, the schools called back pretty shortly after. So it was kind of this this double um, thought of clearly having to find a sustainable way because the schools were calling up saying, hey, that's great, but we're going to mm. need more sandwiches. Yeah. And at the same time seeing that statistic and thinking, well, to, to truly have an impact, we're going to have to be scalable mm. as well as sustainable. Um, and, sp- and mum's pantry is only going to take so much yeah, before that's you right. have to look outside. Like, she's not happy with she sounds like a lovely lady. Yeah, yeah, she sounds like a lovely lady, but like, there's only so many times you can go and rot mum's cupboard before <laughs> it, she has something to say about it, I'm sure. Totally, and yeah. it got to the point where I think between the two or three of us and a few mates, like we could make about, I think the most we made, I think we made about between three of us in the early stages when it got a bit bigger, we made about 400 sandwiches in like three or four hours. And then it was, that was kind of like at that point, it was like, look, we're going to have to find a bit more help here. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah. We need some more backup. And then that's probably the stage at where the model started to take a bit extra shape. And it was all in Shepparton again. So Shepparton's got like a local food bank, food share outlet. We started to source food from them. We started to work with the apprentice chefs at Go Tape, Goblin Ovens Tape, which is like our local tape in Shepparton, uh, which was a good fit because they're all very passionate about food, of course, yeah. much faster sandwich makers than I. So <laughs> we went from like, the three of us in the kitchen at home to say 15 students whipping up the, what we were doing in three or four hours in about 15 minutes. And, um, and, and then we would connect with the schools. I, I actually spent some time living in Bendigo, like connected with X magazine 
Um, and, and at the same time, knowing that there were some local Bendigo schools and that same model just started to replicate again on a very small basis. Mm. And then I actually came back to Melbourne to finish some time, I'll finish off my uni degree. Mm. And then it was probably around those stages where I guess we had some schools in Shepparton, some schools in Bendigo, and then our first couple of schools in Melbourne. And this was like four years down the line. So things were, were moving along. Like eat up was a hobby is probably the wrong word, but just something we kind of did mm. um, by ourselves. And, and then we started to have the opportunity where like, speaking to people in different food bank and food share outlets, them saying or knowing probably the need a lot better and firsthand than I and saying, look, the need is very large and there's no reason you couldn't replicate with a different food share or different food outlets mm. this in many other areas. And, and it was probably them more than, than anything, certainly than me, that sort of planted that seed and thinking, no, that's right. And, and then even beyond that, um, being in, we had like there's some different accelerators. So YGAP, one run that... Um, I was lucky enough to come through with Eat Up and, and just sort of seeing other organisations in sort of the social impact space, so to speak, and, and kind of understanding or beginning to know that that was a, a, a thing, a field, you could grow this and make an organisation. And then ultimately um, people giving us the opportunity to get our first van on the road and, and then bring team members in. And um, uh, so Elise Cook, who's our first sort of staff member, it, it really sort of changed having someone of, of her skill set and, and great passion as well and being able to work alongside someone. And that's when it sort of really started to accelerate. We've brought more people in and, and more volunteers, like the, the more hands make light work, as they say. And it just started to, I guess, grow quite quickly and, and people could see that um, it was quite easy to, to, mm. to help and be involved. And, and it's, it's sort of grown off the back of, of other people's passion and, and commitment. So that credit belongs with the you know, wider community to, for that yeah. happening. So if I can take you back, so you, you're standing in mum's kitchen and you're making sandwiches because you'd read the article in the paper and you thought, not good enough, I can contribute in even a small way by making some sandwiches at home and taking them to the local school. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, can I just say that for starters? Because so many other people would go, that's a shame. Like, yeah, oh, but I'm, I'm sitting here now. like every, yeah. every time you say something, I'm sitting here, my mouth kicks open yeah. and I'm noticing because it's crazy. I think the way you speak about it, there's obvious like a legitimate passion there, but there mm. was, there's also for you it was just so matter of fact, like that's not good enough, I'll just take them some sandwiches. Yeah. How and many, sorry? No, I was just going to say I think that's fucking amazing. Just yeah, it's it, crazy. On its own. Mm. I think it's awesome. How many did you make on that day, the very, very first day in Mum's Kitchen? We made 200, so the idea was just 100 for, wow. for each school. And yeah. in terms of like that impulse to, to do something, like I think I would have been much the same. I think... The fact that it was in Shepherd and like mm. say it was another town or another, I, I would have similar, you know, felt really empathetic about it. But because it was in Shepherd, and I think that was the thing where it, it was that extra push to think, I, I want to try and sort of do something. So yeah. um, I, I think that was, yeah, that was really influential in, in yeah. starting something there. And one of the key parts as, as well. So uh, Lisa McKenzie, who at the time worked with like Golden Valley Community Funds at Golden Valley's like the Shepherd and region. Um, I, actually, I actually connected with her first, like she's always been someone I looked up to. And so I called her like thinking, I just want to drop off some sandwiches here and, and basically put to her, look, I've read this article. Uh, if I made some sandwiches, would that help? Could the schools even accept them? Mm. And she's... Good point, yeah. No peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was a lesson we learned pretty early. So that was no peanut butter. Um, and... I sort of thought, like, I wanted to check to see what that would work. And, and she has got, like, part of incredible programs locally, fantastic <laughs> reputation, and she knows those schools very well, of course, and she's like, well, let's find out. I'll call the two principals, 
we'll sit down with them and, and you just tell them what you're thinking and, and we'll go from there. And she was generous enough and encouraging enough to do that and, and to come with me. And I think if, if she hadn't have done that and I was just like some random young guy mm-hmm. rolling up to school or saying, <laughs> hey, guys, like, um, read this article, hey, got some sandwiches in the car if you want them. Um, they probably would have said like thanks, but no thanks. Like, yeah. really, and that would have been the, they would have. that would have been like it for yeah. eat up. As I said, it wasn't even eat up then. But yeah. so I think a huge amount of credit belongs with her, and and even like that initial, you know, you, you kind of think is it a good idea? Is it not a good idea? Are they they're probably going to say no? Are they going to say yes? Hmm. She kind of allayed a lot of that, and and just um, I guess let me benefit from her standing in the community to say, oh no, he seems like a nice guy. I'm sure it's. Good and, and the schools give you a shot and, and it starts yeah. from there. So I think that can't be discounted in any way at all. And even in terms of speaking of Food Share and the uh, GoTafe, like mm-hmm. Lisa was on the board of Shepherd and Food Share and um, she helped, like she came to that first session at GoTafe as well. So a really, really powerful influence. Um, so yeah, she's, she's definitely uh, one of the core parts of that the reason it's, it's become what it has mm. i take my hat off too because 400 sandwiches you said that first uh, the first one 200, was 200 sorry. and then yeah we started to add a few schools and and so that was like the peak of our of our three team sort of set up yeah we did a um a sausage sizzle fundraiser at bunnings right and I tell you what, it was the hardest day of my, one of the <laughs> hardest days of my career, hands down. Really? I remember one of the um, people I was with at the time, because um, we, we did it um, with like our whole team and we had some young people come and work as well. And I remember one of the young people saying, we were looking for an adultier adult and then we realised it's you. And I was like, I was at the time trying to drag this massive, um, the A-frame chalkboards that they write the stuff on through the car park, but it was like torrential weather. Oh, no, and so no. the thing was blowing away from me. So it was practically dragging me along this car park and then <laughs> these clients have looked over to try and be like, oh, we don't know how to set up or what we're supposed to be doing. And I'm hanging off this chalkboard. And we eventually got it all set up and had the day, but that was easily one of the hardest and most exhausting days of my life to do that. And I think that's probably the only thing where I can conceptualise a similarity to like making sandwiches yeah. or doing something like that. So I take my hat off to you because that was so hard. So it, to, to consistently do that would mm. have been exhausting as well. We've got a, a lot credit. of practice along the journey and, yeah. and definitely worked out our different efficiency yeah. manoeuvres. Yeah. So system. when we can again make sandwiches, you'll have to come along. We'll yes. show you. Oh, we would love to. Yes. You'll, you'll be a sandwich making star. So mm. it'll be awesome. I was reading actually... Um, the other day I ha- was having a look at the website and there was the um, the community, like, group where you come together and all yeah. make the sandwiches. And I was like, oh, we should definitely do that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, they're, they're really good fun. So now, like, in terms of we'll do sandwich making events, whether it's with corporate groups we often do during the week and we go on site to different people's offices and work with, say, 25 members of their staff mm. where they can pretty comfortably now make a 1,000 sandwiches in an hour or less with that many people. Pretty comfortably, actually. So wow. um, our really, really high-performance group, everyone has got sort of uh, great skills. But I think even now with, with say, a group of 15 who's done it a couple of times and come in sort of ready to roll, like they most groups, even without encouragement to get competitive, will I was gonna say, ask competitive. pretty much immediately, like, what's fast? Yeah. Yeah. fast yeah. Group. Do you but, deal with competing companies? Like if you go work with Telstra one day, you're like, look, guys, <laughs> I've just got this done in 20 yeah. minutes, yeah? It's, so, you know, like... It's funny you say that. So one of one of my best mates and uh, Steve, who who uh, is an electrician now but worked with us with Eat Up a long time in one of the vans, it would always be his tactic, 
even if we like say we had a session, like you said, exactly with, whether it's with Telstra or Optus, um, or we we had a session with Coles, and he'll say, "Look, uh, look, guys, you're going very quick, but uh, Woolworths were yeah, probably about two hundred ahead at the same time." Yeah, so and, and the they would just rip in. So that was one of <laughs> his awesome. his uh, prime motivational tactics was to throw out a direct competitor of theirs and and see how quickly they get faster from an already high bar. So yeah, um, yeah, people people get. We've actually done like now that we've got. Um, a couple of active states, mm. we can even do, we've done a couple of competitions between the same offices. So one of our, our national supporters, Essentia, is like a consulting group and they've got offices like around the country, but we worked in this event with their Sydney and Melbourne teams and we did a Sydney and Melbourne head-to-head and they've actually got these really cool like meeting rooms where um, they can see a live feed of the other group mm. as oh, they're going. Wow. So it was like a, a live cross yeah, right. um, head to head, which which was yeah highly two motivated groups. The Melbourne team won that one. Yeah, um, which Steve was on that team, so he he probably definitely riled them up. Yeah, we've actually done an event with the UFC a couple of times what? as what? well, and That's we so did cool. a red team versus blue team one with like some of the athletes, and that was that was probably the fastest one. We did that with with the UFC and, and Swiss. Wow, recently like October yeah. when they were out here. Yeah, yeah. and um, that was crazy fast. Like I think the race was to first to a thousand. Wow. So two teams. And I think, yeah, they were both done. It was like under 20 minutes. And so that's 2,000 collectively, but between them. We've got a little video I'll have to show that's you. Like, yeah. So, yeah, like to see how they went about it. It was good fun. So they're always good. But, yeah, aside from the pace, we, we try and just prioritise. Like we play good, feel-good music. Yeah. Um, make it fun. And, and, and just it's, it's particularly in like the different workspaces. It's a good way for different team members to get together in different levels of management. Um, the biggest and probably fun, super, and most funds we do, they're all fun, but we do these big general public events, okay. which we hold, say, usually on the Sunday before a new school term starts. Mm. Okay. And we often do those um, at sort of some of the schools. The, the past couple have been in like indoor basketball stadiums, so we can just fit wow. as many tables as possible. And um, the biggest one of those, we've had like 130 people at one of those and they're really good like family atmosphere mm. and the fastest one they made like 6,000 sandwiches in that 60 minutes. That's amazing. So super, super quick. Like so they're, they're definitely the, you know, the high bar wow. in terms of volume. You know when you see like I think, I've, well, I don't know when you see, like, it was a stupid way to start that sentence, but I, I've seen on like Facebook or Instagram or whatever a couple of times and it's like you have the same amount of minutes in a day as Beyonce and I, and, and I always see it and go, that's true. I could probably do more. And then I just <laughs> contemplate. I do nothing about it. But you've just said how many fucking sandwiches can be made in it, 60 minutes. Yeah. And here I am thinking about I, don't, I would be faffing for 60 minutes. Like, I don't know. That that time frame is very astronomical to me. Yeah, I, you guys would plug in and, and just be part of the sandwich-making machine. It, yeah. it, it's all it's just a numbers game. Like yeah. really across the board of those events, there's a pretty similar pace. Um, and it's just the more people, the faster they'll get through. And it's it's almost like there can be a bit of a critical mass effect. Like often if we earlier when we had a small session of say six or eight, um, it can be quick, but people will sort of chat and it's quite casual. Mm. And then it's like there's a this weird impact when you get say when eight becomes 15, 20, it's like the weight of the, the efficiency of the group where if you're making the bread team are laying out the bread and then the wrappers, the sandwiches are coming across so quick where it's kind of like this um, this momentum builds up mm-hmm. and, and everything just becomes faster without kind of um, necessarily kind of realising you're trying to go quick. Yeah, 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 just trying to play catch up. 
Yeah. Right. How cool is that? I need to do better things with my 60-minute time brackets throughout the day. That's my takeaway. Um, so you mentioned before with Josh, and I didn't know much about this. I think you'd seen it on LinkedIn, Josh, around the music festival and the magazine X. I'm interested to hear about the music festival and what that yeah. entailed. How yeah, did you sure. get yourself from there? The music festival was heaps of fun, and the common thread in each of these um, initiatives, I suppose, eat up X and the festival, 3630, is they're all very Shepherd and centric. So 3630 was music festival, 3630 Shepherd's postcode. Mm. Um, a really good friend of mine, Jamie Lee, who's gone on to like amazing things in, in the, the music sort of event space. So she, I um, organized it together with her. She really sort of led it more than anything. So most credit to, to her. Um, and we both grew up, she's a little bit younger than me. This, so festival was in 2011. Mm-hmm. So I think we were like, um, so I guess I was 24. She's a little young. She might be 22 or 23. So we probably didn't have a whole lot of business trying to organize something like that, but we were both super passionate, wanted to make it happen. And, um, and we did, we managed to get some support from the council. We, uh, Angus and Julia Stone, uh, headlined it. That was the oh, year they won the hottest 100 oh. and, um, Claire Bodish played Briggs is from Shepparton. Like, yeah. uh, our famous local, of course, Briggs was on the bill as well. Wow. Um, so it was heaps and heaps of fun. We, it actually, so the day of the festival, it like we had this <laughs> torrential rain. Oh no! So we it was a pretty good turnout. We got like probably a thousand people there, and um, it's an awesome turnout. A good turnout, but we like it costs a lot of money to put on a festival True. like that. So we yeah. needed a little bit more attendance, and it was, everyone was like, "Don't worry, don't worry." Shepparton has this reputation for like kind of showing on the day, like right. buying tickets on the day. So we're trying to keep steady and. Um, just like about mid-afternoon, it was a start, the day started beautifully sunny and then like it was almost cartoonish. There's this solid thick black clouds that started to come over and we got about a mill of rain in, in like 20 minutes, heavy winds, like the stages and we had to like repair sort of equipment, I suppose. Um, the music, everything settled but like the grounds were pretty flooded. Like it was wet. There's some videos of that as well. If you while you're while doing doing the uh, the YouTube tour, check that out <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it was awesome fun. It was like a great day and a great great night as well. Like Angus and Julia Stone were awesome. All the acts were amazing. Mm. But um, we lost a little bit of money in the end, so we had to both had to pay back some money, oh, which was, which was okay. But that's like about starting something up. Yeah. And then we wanted to go with it again the next year, and we were like we learned a huge amount from that first year, of course. So I mm. think we're in even greater shape. And we had some sort of acts lined up and, and then we just weren't sort of quite there with, with the fundraising. So we ended up sort of kind of pulling it in the, in the end, um, which was a bummer. Like it, it, we, I know we both love to do it again in, in some respect someday. And there are some local festivals, like music festivals in, in Shepherd and now. So there's definitely ones that have sort of filled that gap, which is awesome for the local scene. And, and, and Jamie Lee herself is now like the creative director of the Shepherd and Arts Festival, oh, cool. which is a major event coming up to like it's, would have been its 25th anniversary this year, but now I guess will be be next year. Mm. And, um, yeah, so we learned a huge amount together. And, and I think, like, between the festival and Eat Up and, and um, X Magazine, like, just these series of lessons along the way. And I suppose, personally, I've, I've never been sort of too afraid of, of, of failure. Maybe maybe not enough. Clearly there's been a few sort of back and forth and trying risks and, and um learning a little bit more each time and, and, and then trying to, trying to, I guess, make things happen. And, mm. and, and um, I think Eat Up has definitely benefited from the lessons that came via 
um, X Magazine and, and 3630 and you can kind of see the, the threads, like in, in, I think in, when you look back mm. personally and see yeah. the nature of working with different individual teams, which X Magazine had in terms of these different local areas that had their own um, yeah. edition and, and that's how Eat Up kind of operates now from a, a, a regional point of view in terms of the, the sandwich-making team supporting their communities. Um, could you touch on X Magazine before we were recording? Um, and you could you explain that again because that sounded like a really cool concept that yeah there's because we we've been talking a bit just in my workplace about youth led programs and programs mm. obviously that young people are contributing to and that are meaningful yeah because we we talk about or like in, at least in my team at the moment we talk about youth led programs that the stereotypical one if I was to explain it to someone is the art piece on the wall yeah. you know you get the young people to decide what the art piece is going to be you get them to contact the artist they apply to the council for the permission, they do the painting and it looks amazing and all that sort of stuff. And that's cool. It's a cool program. But like when it's finished, it's finished and the art stays on the wall and that's great. But sort of what's the, the long-standing impact or the ability for young people to kind of move on to other things? And hmm. X Magazine sounds like it ran for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so X Magazine started in 2008. Um, so I was, I was in, in uni at the time. So I graduated high school in 2005. And so I was doing uni in Melbourne at RMIT and, and you'd sort of see oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just quickly ask, were you studying something related to like social work or community services no, when you were at uni? No, what were you I, studying? Wasn't, I was studying entrepreneurship. So it was oh, like, okay. a, like I a, love that. a business that type sense, yeah. yeah, that makes so, sense. But I always had a, a, a passion for, for Shepparton and then for, yeah. for like real change. So connecting that to, yeah, to yeah. social issues is something that always is where yeah. I was very much drawn to and, and, I guess the, the the business startup phase. Like I, I didn't really know what university course to pick. Yeah. yeah. And entrepreneurship sounds like a flashy kind of word to pick and a bit yeah. of a mix of different business skills. It yeah. was the course was sort of advertised as kind of rather than picking straight marketing, finance, accounting or, or yeah. law. It's a bit of a, a mix of all of those and yeah. a startup type atmosphere. It mm. sounds like it was probably a good choice for you. I think Just yeah, listening I, to your story so far. Because you joked before and you go, Oh, we didn't really have much business organizing a music festival, and I was like, we didn't have much business like, like organizing or creating a, a, a program that makes five thousand sandwiches every day yeah. either. But you've done that, you know. <laughs> so it kind of made me laugh when you sort of. I was laughing because you know. I think often on the on the podcast, people that we have had when we've asked them about whether what's the best piece of advice they've received or what's a piece of advice they would give new and emerging workers in the field, often the biggest one that comes back is back yourself. And I think mm. what I was thinking when you were saying that sentence was that's something that so many of us wish that we could create within ourselves is to just fucking back yourself. Mm. And it sounds like you've got that. And I don't think that that, like you said, oh, we had no business organising yeah. a music thing, wasn't too scared of her. But I think that's such an amazing quality to have because I think for you, it means, you know, maybe if you did have some hiccups in the road, you'll just keep going. And I think that's very evident with Eat Up and all of the other projects that you've contributed to. But I just mm. think that's so awesome that it's so cool. you've just, you just keep going with these mm. little passions. And yeah, I think Josh is right. Entrepreneur, entrepreneurial duties <laughs> seem to suit you. Did I say that right? It's because you did can't say entrepreneurship word? or something, right? <laughs> it's a weird word. It's, it's a super weird word. Um, it would be super annoying to, um, I always think about words that you have to, like you, 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 um, you write it and you spell it because you have to, but it's an annoying word. And the amount of times that you would that you would have written entrepreneur. Yeah, we had to write it on like the masthead of all of our assignments, <laughs> yeah. and it is an odd word to spell. Like yeah. there's a combination of the e's yeah, yeah, where you yeah. wouldn't like if 
I, I wouldn't have learned this until you've seen the actual, like you write it down and then it says it on the piece of paper. You're like, oh, that's how you actually spell yeah. that. He goes there, not there. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's stuck in my mind in terms of how to, how, how to sort of spell that through. But yeah. um, I, I think like I always remember growing up and even now, like I think uh, whether it's youth or that sort of being naive going into a certain industry can actually be, um, rather than it being counterproductive, certainly can be in some contexts, can actually be really helpful in a way because you're going in with this totally open mind and you're not too mm. daunted by some of the, um, the I guess, the obstacles yeah. that people might otherwise stop at but you don't because you kind of don't even know they're there. So you kind mm. of get there and then one step and one step and one step. Um, so I think I think there's a, a key to that. Certainly there's, there's great merit for people who have the applicable expertise going ahead and doing something <laughs> yeah. more so than I is, is, is definitely probably even more warranted but... Um, it's true though, because I, I remember, and this is slightly off topic, but that's how we go. You know Gary V. Yes, like the you, yeah. Do you know Gary V? He's like famous for being a social media sort of character now, but he was an entrepreneur who started uh, like some tech companies and stuff, and now he's on Instagram and he does these videos and they're really motivational and stuff. But Gary V. Yeah, like Gary and V E E, and his last name's like. Vernacek or something similar. Yeah, um, he's pretty cool. Like he's really cool. I think his goal is to make have enough money to buy the Patriots. No, the, the New York Jets. The I New think. York Jets. Yeah, yeah, that's what his goal is. Like, he's super famous. I mean, sorry, and well, yeah, I'm stalking well. his Instagram. Yeah, he's pretty cool. But he he talks about or when people ask him questions, um, it's always about like, you know, I've got this idea, but my mum says this, or I've got this idea, but my best friends. And he's just like, pretty much, he's like, fuck what they think. He's like, mm. if you think that you want to do it, do it. Mm. Like, you know, don't ask everybody what they think because it's what they think, you know. Yeah. It's just, I'm butchering his message because obviously he gives it a lot better I than that. I think you did it wonderfully. Thanks. That was great. But it's so good. And he's like, yeah. yeah. And it, although he's often talking about business, mm. uh, in which in this case there's an element of business to eat up and other things like, like those programs, but... The concept of just like like you could do all the research online and get people's opinions and stuff, but at the end of the day, if you want to do Eat Up or X Magazine or whatever, like do it. Back yourself in and do it. You know. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I just went off topic, but that's got a fine. Passionate then, eh? You yeah, know, you did. Whatever. Is there any projects that you want to do, Josh? <laughs> yeah, what are you holding back oh, on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just do it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. See, <laughs> so now I have to hold myself to my word now. Yeah. <laughs> Tell other people to do yeah, it. You sure as shit have to. Yeah. So, anyway. But sorry, we were talking about X Magazine. Um, you're explaining that concept. Yeah, so in, in terms of the time in Melbourne at RMIT, you, like coming from the country, country town, and coming to Melbourne, you would just see this this huge spread of, I guess, creative outlets for young people, street press magazines, opportunities for people to showcase their work. And, and I was never especially creative myself in terms of having a photography, writing, or graphic design skill set. But I, I knew so many people from Shepherd and who I went to school with who were good mates. Um, who had all of those those amazing traits, and you'd look at the magazine, and they were super impressive, but um, like just as impressive as the people I knew back home. And I thought, how amazing would it be to be able to have an outlet like this for people in Shepparton or Bendigo, Albury, Geelong? And a good friend of mine was a graphic designer, and so he fit that sort of bill perfectly. And, and others, photographers and writers, and, and what it would become like would would just be something that was totally created by young people in Shepparton to share their their opinions, their words, their photography, um, their articles. It would be led purely by, by, by their creative control. Like they mm. were the editors of it essentially. And in terms of 
us being able to, we touched on earlier, like interviewing different prominent musicians or sports stars or whoever they wanted to, um, scientists, um, we could connect the opportunities for them to like someone who's in year 10 or year 11 to, to interview one of those sports stars or one of those musicians would also make a real point of trying to feature people who've come like often when you grow up in a bit of a country town, like there's a, a couple of different points of view to a certain extent, like some people who are super passionate about it and, and then others where it's like uh, they, they're a bit down on sort of being in the country or the, the opportunities elsewhere and, 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 and I guess, you know, looking at it in, in a bit of pessimistically, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah. we wanted to sort of share these other great stories of people who had come from that same area who were doing really cool things. They may not necessarily be living in Shepparton anymore, but what have what they sort of gone on to and, and whether that's sort of business or, or being sort of a doctor or whatever it may be. Um, and then we started these other localised outlets in Bendigo, in Albury and in Geelong, and they were totally made by those local areas. Mm. I think we had about 25 issues like all up and amazing, sort of amazing work in terms of the local young photographers and writers and designers and and yeah, we, we sort of Bendigo Bank helped support us in terms of like the, the cost cool. of that and just local advertisers and things like that. Um, and like that was we we sort of stopped eventually. Like it was it was just purely for trying to get the, the money to make it work. And mm-hmm. like yeah. my job was was really about the the sponsorship and trying to kind of bring those areas together. So it was I felt really bad because it was basically you know my my failings which which stopped it from kind of continuing and, and giving that opportunity for a longer period. Um, but it has been super encouraging since to see how many of the young people who sort of came through or shared their work in EDA who are doing, like, amazing work mm. now. I know there's, like, young writers from Shepparton who now sort of work for, for GQ and are the creative directors yeah. at different sort of design houses. Um, That's cool. And how cool for them to have that opportunity because if you think of a young person um, – in general, let alone from a country town that's even more removed, an opportunity like that just wouldn't mm. occur. Like I think of, you know, some of the people I went to school with that were just obsessed with like journalism or, you know, photography or whatever their little passion for creativity was. But it, that's all it would be for a period of time until you went to uni to study that or if that was a career path that you chose. It was not really something you got to dabble in. You might have had like a school magazine that you could do something mm. in. Um like I think my school had like a yearly book that we did at the end of every year, but it's it's such an awesome opportunity for young people who would probably have never had that opportunity mm. at all to engage in an activity like that to show them, one, that this is you can engage in this, but, two, it's also possible. It's something that they could recreate in the future if that was mm. something that they wanted to do. Or I think like that's your really local cool. paper, yeah. which covers like all of the like quite boring local news. Like yeah. you're not going to have the opportunity to interview I don't know, one of the examples that you gave, like Flume or something like that, like... Not a chance. You know, it's like... Like I think of... Doris's house got broken into last week and yeah. that's sad for Doris, but I don't really want to write that's her... A like I don't really want to write an article about that. Yeah, you know, or often it might be something so, you know, uh, um, my... Well, my brother-in-law's sister, I was about to call her my sister-in-law, but that doesn't make sense. My brother-in-law's sister is studying... <laughs> Is, has studied journalism and she's done um, artist pieces for like the local artist pieces, sorry, screwed that word up, for the local papers and stuff like that. But, um, you know, and she loved that. She loves journalism. That's her vibe. But she hasn't had the opportunity to interview, you know, a famous athlete or, you know, someone like Flume. Like those are opportunities that don't necessarily come up all the time or occur for, 
I guess I'm going to do air quotes again, but just normal <laughs> young people. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It's absolutely. not something that they're afforded. So I think that's a really cool initiative that, you know, there might be for you, you might have a little bit of I feel bad because of the funding, you know, d- didn't continue. But I also think that you've created this opportunity that never would have occurred for them in any case. I just think it's really cool because mm. I think about, you know, I grew up in a small town and I think of the people that I went to school with and there's one girl in particular that I'm thinking of that was obsessed with photography and she was mm. so cool at it. Like she was, she just had a knack, like she just got it. And we did photography at school, but, you know, she went out and she did hikes and found places to photograph and all that sort of stuff. And she would share it on, I think it was MySpace at the time like some of it yeah, stuff yeah. but it was my space era my space era yeah. yeah but cool as fuck stuff that yeah. had she have had the opportunity to do something like pro like imagine the doors that would open mm. i just think it's such oh, a and cool did, hey. and did yeah, yeah obviously yeah absolutely and how cool for a young person to turn around you know we always talk about one of the things that comes up on the facebook group a lot or we talk about in the podcast is when people apply for positions um, in the field and it all want like five years experience, yeah, but yeah, someone's yeah. like fresh out of uni. It's like, how the hell am I supposed to have five years of experience? <laughs> yeah, how yeah. awesome for a young person to go, oh, well, actually, when I was 16, I worked I worked on this way. <laughs> it's so I saw true. It. No, no, I saw a meme <laughs> and it was like a wanted virgin, two years experience. Yeah, and right. And it was like the perfect example. Oh. Like that's exactly what they want. It's so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's impossible. How I do love. you expect people to do that? I thought I'd made up another word. That's no, why you were laughing no. at me. <laughs> um, yeah, but how cool for them to say, oh, you know, when I was 16 I participated in this, this is my creative outlet, or to even have a portfolio to show mm. people. That's so cool. Yeah, and we were really intentional about, like, making it a, a, a tangible magazine so yeah. they did have something to hold and share and, and sort of show, mm. yeah. um, which which I think really helped in, in that sort of uh, aspect. In, in hindsight, from a cost point of view, it would have been probably wise to be online, which many people told us at the time. But, like, to be able to blend those and, and, and now, like, we've still got, like, I've got all the back issues at, at home, which we've got, like, yeah, different cool. the covers to sort of see. So, <gasps> cool. And it's nice for, like, to look back at them and, and I know that people still sort of hang on to some of, like, the, the additions for and stuff. For sure. For sure. Mm. I even, like, I... I know that you said, you know, people told us to go online. I respect so much that you didn't. I'm one of those people, like, I have the Audible app and I've got, like, a ridiculous amount of books on there. But even when I finish them on Audible, I have such a thing with, like, holding a book and having a book and, like, the smell of books. I'll buy it even though I've already read it. Hmm. And I probably won't reread it maybe one day, but I like to have it on my shelf because there's something about having, like, a physical hard copy. Like, it's, I don't know, like, authentic and raw. I don't know what it Hmm. is. I don't know. So I respect that you didn't go paperless because even I wouldn't read anything online. It's like Kindle. I can never get mm. can I'd never imagine, get into it. I'd imagine that having that printed copy in the young person's yeah. hands too would be like, it'd be like a certificate at the end of a course, wouldn't yeah. it, for a young person? Yeah. To have that, look, mum, you can flick through it. And, like, I feel like that would be, yeah. like, the weight of it would yeah. be something. And it was special, like, that mm. feeling, you know, when you'd, print, you'd finish an issue and it would come off the press. Yeah. And you'd go and see it being printed, like, it's, cool. it's super, super special, that, that, like that part and just like the getting a bit old school, but like the smell of the paper and just mm. the, the touch of it and the, no, the nature saying. of the stock. Like it, that was definitely an element that I, I think added added to it. So yeah. that was, um, yeah, I'm glad we could do that. And there was a local printer again in Shepparton who like looked after us and, and made it still, um, you know, accessible with, yeah. with, for the quality of, of paper we used and, and the, the number of magazines we printed. Um, it wouldn't be possible without their generosity. So that was very good of him. How cool is that? I have a random question that's just popped into my head because I'm thinking of sandwiches now. Sure. What's your favourite sandwich? My favourite sandwich? Yeah. Um, 
I like at school, I like I'm a bit of a Vegemite man. So like Vegemite sandwich would have been the earliest answer. Yep. Um, then in high school, I, I probably got a bit fancy. It was like salami and olives and, and tomato Ooh. paste. So that's like the Mediterranean background perhaps. Yeah. Coming through a little there. Um, and now I'd probably say like chicken and avocado, but I love a toasted sandwich and mm. that's kind of, that's really how they eat up sandwiches end up. We deliver okay. them sort of in bulk cheese and then they'll, it will, the schools will freeze them on site, which gives control back to the teachers to identify yeah. the kids yeah. and distribute them. They'll For generally sure. toast them up. So toasted cheese is kind of like, the heart of what we do at Eat Up. So I love a good toast of cheese, of course, as well. And, um, yeah, that's very hard to beat. I love that. I want to know your favourite sandwiches now. Ah. Yep. I like a breakfast sandwich. Okay. Yeah. Even though it's something you can make at home, like bacon and egg sandwich and cheese and what have you. Yeah, okay. But to go out and get like a brekkie burger or a brekkie sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. But like your plain Jane, ham and cheese. I was going to say because I, I know you're a bit of a plain Jane, yeah, so yeah. I, I thought I was going to guess ham and cheese. <laughs> yeah, for like your regular at home ham and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. And then a random one, I like making like baked bean jaffles. <gasps> yeah, or like spaghetti jaffles. You know, where you seal the edges, yeah. Yeah. those ones. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I'd be a Vegemite and cheese gal through and through. I remember it's, it's the reason I've, got, I've been having like a silent giggle to myself about the sandwich thing because I have this memory of myself in primary school and my sister had made my lunch and, and she'd said to me, what do you want for lunch now? And she, um, um, I was a little bit spoiled when she'd make my lunches because I could never decide what I specifically wanted. So instead of having like just a Vegemite sandwich, she'd do Vegemite on one side. So and um, like folded in half pretty much. So it was like one little sandwich and then like jam or whatever I wanted on the other one. And so I'd said to her, oh, I want peanut butter and jam, thinking that's what she was going to separate it in the two. Ah. And she just made a peanut butter and jam sandwich yeah. for me and I got to school and I was so mortified that she'd done that <laughs> and I felt so betrayed by her. I bring it up all the time, I tell her, and she's like, oh, shut the fuck up, I made your sandwich. She's like, what's your problem? Um, but I, I was so distraught and I remember being like, I don't, have lunch now because I'm being a fussy eater I'm not going to eat that so, so I didn't have lunch and I was just really lucky that my prep teacher was a legend and gave me her lunch I think <laughs> she did at the time or I shared some of her lunch with her um that's so why I was giggling about sandwiches as a crazy backstory but Vegemite and cheese would be my staple I even love having a veggie and cheese sandwich mm. now mm. um it's a bit plain Jane but uh, of late my partner and I have like found this dope place that does toasted <laughs> sandwiches um, is it toasted? I, I know there's a spot called Toaster. Toaster. Like a food truck, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so they have a I've shop had, in, I, like, West Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the food truck that travels around. Yeah. So we randomly stumbled across that and went, and I shit you not, do yourself a fucking favour and get there and eat <laughs> their sandwiches because, like, wow. And they were so sweet. The day we got there, the kitchen was actually closed and yeah. we were so sad. And she's like, that's fine, we'll make you something. What do you want? Oh, and I wow. was like... What a legend. She's going to feed me. That's cool. Um, but I can second that. that. I've had one of those. Multiple, oh, in fact, they are delicious, aren't they? It's the crunch, like the level. filling. I don't know how they've nailed it, but they have. So our new goal at the moment is to replicate their toasted sandwiches at home because now we're not as close to the city and we're not going to be driving to West Melbourne for toasted sandwiches. I, I believe on their website they sell, like, their toasting machines and they've got, like, a, a, they've got a weight that they put on the toasted sandwich <sighs> purely to enhance the... Uh, the cheese melting qualities, I think, and the crunchiness. Wow, I'm gonna so 100% check them out. That. And if if the toaster crew are listening, 
the eat up crew would love to collaborate. Yeah. I feel like there's some yeah. synergies going on here. Hundred percent. So, um, Let's make that happen. We want to make that happen. Yeah. That'll be the day we volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> and I just eat all the sandwiches. <laughs> but yeah, so the the that's my probably vibe at the moment. So the other week, which I've requested this is what we're doing on Sunday, yeah. was um we got sourdough. And we grilled it in the fry pan, but we had mac and cheese, tofurkey, more cheese. Um, I think we put red onion on it maybe. Um, and it was just the most delicious thing. So it wasn't as um, wasn't as um, perfect as toaster, obviously, because they've nailed that. Um, but I'm really happy to know that they have a yeah. machine. I'm excited. Yeah, look into it. I, I remember like. They were selling like a lot of stuff, and I think yeah. they've they've got an amazing reputation, of course, for that. Yeah. Um, if I buy it, I'll send them a message in my delivery and say, "Listen to this podcast. You need to hook up with Eda." The endorsement. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. We love like the idea of connecting people through this is ma- amazing, and they do have the food truck and they do travel mm. around. I'd even made a joke like to my partner. I was like, "When we get married, I just want that. <laughs> like, I just want I, their food truck." Yeah. I know someone who's had their food truck at their wedding. Like, <gasps> this is a great full circle here. We're 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 kicking goals. So, yeah. Chris, who I mentioned earlier, yep. from uh, Kiss Bang Love, Eda yep. driver. Mm-hmm. His sister had the toaster uh, food van yes. at, at the, her wedding. And I was Legend. like, that's the best thing ever. That's right up my alley. We had food vans at our wedding. What? Yeah, we what had What food vans did you have? How did I not know this? Beatbox burger oh, wow. and a taco truck. Oh. Yeah, that was our that was dinner at our wedding. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right up my alley. Yeah, it was awesome. I'd love just some dirty food truck. Yeah, that's food. 100%. Yeah. Everyone's happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to worry about... Knives and forks and cleaning up and no. the kitchen. Yeah, we had food bands. Yeah, it was sweet. How good is that? Mm, it was really cool. And not a stress, like food's a big mm. stress at weddings. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was really good. I'd love that. Mm. I'm jealous. But, yeah, sorry, that was a raging tangent. So toaster. That's what we're about. Toaster, um, their toaster sandwiches and mac and cheese, delish. But, yeah, Vegemite and cheese gal through and through yeah. would be me. But and butter on both sides for sure. Yeah. And not too much Vegemite. Uh, okay. I'm not a thick Vegemite sort of person. It's always controversial, the uh, the volume. Yeah. That's like we make, so eat up, we make either cheese or Vegemite sandwiches, mostly cheese. But um, it's interesting to see we work with so many volunteers, the, the great diversity in terms of Vegemite yeah. spread preferences. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Some people will go super, super light. Some people will go super heavy. We actually have to do a little bit of a Vegemite spread demonstration beforehand yeah. just, just to let them know the parameters yeah. Um, yeah. Of, of, of what we usually sort of go with because it is, there's, um, yeah, there's, there's, they're poles apart, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Someone who likes a very light or a very heavy spread. Some of these I, children are at disadvantage enough. They do not need to have a lightly spread Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> See, but excuse on, you, excuse you, if I eat too much Vegemite, I get sweaty. I <laughs> shit you not. If someone's put too Go much. To the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Vitamin B overdose. Oh, what do you yeah. mean? <laughs> <laughs> is that true? What? That people whack up vitamin B in jail? Oh, I've definitely heard it around sorry, the past. I've sorry. never had a client yeah, okay. do it, but I've definitely heard that that's something that occurs. Yeah, right. Sorry, that's super off topic. But I'm I guess right. interesting. <laughs> so I've heard. So that's a, that's a drug and alcohol worker. Yeah, we covered that. But uh, I've heard that, you know how you can get the little sachets of, of spreads, little, yeah. little veggie mites and stuff? That I love I, stealing I've them heard, from hotels. Well, I've heard that they stopped giving them in some prisons because prisoners were using them to and shooting them up. Like you could, you put Vegemite with maybe a little bit of water, get it warm, and shoot it up with a syringe, and you, you get a vitamin B hit. Mm. Right? That it gives you a 
I don't know what you'd say, like a rush or a high. Yeah. But I never knew if it was true or not. And then just when you said that you get sweaty. Bottom and then I said overdose. to your doctor. And you, yeah, that's what it was. Bottom B overdose. I'll yeah. ask you. Well, because people say. In the middle say, of a podcast. Yeah. The best time to yeah, ask. Yeah, for sure. Well, because people say one of the best cures for a hangover is Vegemite toast because of the vitamin B in it. Right. Replenishes your... I don't know, vitamin B status. It's not something that I've ever tried and tested. I've just heard it a couple of times. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised, I That's guess. And the reality is, is if you really wanted to inject anything, you could yeah, yeah, work yeah. hard enough, you'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, after, we'll keep asking. Yeah, Unless, I'll start conducting some interviews. Yeah, by the way. Some research into injecting yeah, Any of your intravenous drug users. Have you ever whacked up vitamin Vegemite? <laughs> Next time I do a drug and alcohol assessment, I'll make sure to include it. To be See what they say, yeah. <laughs> knowledge on tick coming up. That's right, absolutely. This is like a pause knowledge on tick, vitamin B. <laughs> Sorry about that. How um, funny. I had a question. How do you? How do schools get involved? Do they do they have to meet any eligibility criteria or anything like that? We we don't put any strict eligibility criteria around the schools. Like yeah. we certainly schools will approach us directly and and sort of share their stories of, of need and. Um, you touched on sort of your story there of, of when you sort of didn't have didn't have lunch that day because of the the uh, the double peanut butter and jam sandwich and the yeah. teacher giving you some like Rachel, if you're listening, I still hate you for that. <laughs> They're delicious, by the way. Sorry, I was meant to say. I, 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 I do like the, the PB and J. That's like the US classic. I eat them That's now. like the Vegemite yeah, yeah. and cheese. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like we have heard from so many schools about teachers in the circumstances where. Kids are missing out and, and, and they are either giving kids their own lunch or, or themselves making sandwiches at home the night before school or in their lunch break and spending money on ingredients. So mm. we hear a lot of those stories from schools connecting with us and we, we want to help them straight away. In more broader terms, we'll leverage socioeconomic and government data to identify areas of high need and then look at clusters of schools and then from a logistical standpoint, with our delivery runs, mm. sort of look at a collection of, say, 20 schools within a, a, an area of need and then connect with those schools, um, reach out to them, explore if, 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 if there's a possibility for us to help if they have a need, and then we'll start to support those schools. But certainly there's a, 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 a number of them, and, and particularly schools are so well connected that once we mm. start supporting one school in the local area... They'll hear um, about it. <laughs> yeah, it's common for them to say, hey, look, we know there's a not school not too far from here that's got a similar issue i be able to help them and, 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 and it can often sort of ripple quite quickly like that. So it's a combination of both of those two things. For sure. Okay. Did um, eat up come from anywhere? Because you, you, you've said a couple of times like it wasn't eat up then. So yeah. like you've obviously developed the name at a later stage then, when it became bigger. Yeah. Does that, is there a story there? Where did you come up with that from? Well, I guess I was tr- like just thinking of, of, of a name that would encapsulate the, 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 the context of the food and trying to help kids and, um, so for a long period, it just didn't have a name at all. It was just us dropping off lunches yeah. and then just trying to think of something that would encapsulate sort of food and this this um, feeling of, of wanting to help kids um, progress and support them. And, and that all sort of, uh, we've got a bit of a thing for for play on playing on words or, or puns at, at, at eat up. So that's sort of uh, like the old sort of uh, saying of, of when someone tells you to eat up or otherwise and the double meaning oh. of eat and the up part. And, and so that's probably where it came from. I remember like, early kind of name thoughts and just, you know, you, you toss through different names and thinking of like munch and lunch and lunchbox mm. and lunch that's like fairly broad and trying to sort of think of what it was. But I, I think Eat Up works really well and, and I mm. think it does like a lot of the earlier sort of other possibilities for a name were quite lunch centric and Eat Up is definitely we focus on school lunches, but mm. it, it, it also now gives us a little bit of a broader context. Like say, for example, 
Um, now we're developing emergency food boxes as well during the the, the, the pandemic. So it's wow. this bigger, ah. broader vision. Yeah. So you can imagine like the the core pillars of eat up as an organisation, mm. uh, uh, big groups of volunteers mm. working together in a hands on way. Yeah. And that's um, not something we can do at the moment. <laughs> but I have been able to do for a little stretch and. Mm. And then, of course, more recently, the other core element of distribution for the sandwiches um, is a daily distribution of the sandwiches by teachers to students at school. And, mm. and of course, we've just come out of a period of, of remote learning. So we had to think really, really quickly in terms of um, this being this huge period of need and with the, the really unfortunate numbers of, of job losses and, and people doing it incredibly tough and like eat up as an existing model, we were sort of without two of our greatest strengths and, and we didn't want to sort of just sit and do nothing in, in what was this sort of defining period of need. So we it actually, recall things started to really change in the back half of March, which was sort of the final couple of weeks of term, school term, yeah. term one. So initially we stopped our volunteering sandwich making events and started delivering just the ingredients, so bread, cheese, margarine, direct to schools, and then School term in Victoria actually finished early. They, they shut it a week off. Yeah. Um, and then that was the point at which we, we thought, okay, we're going to have to find an approach here for, for term two, of course, and we, we connected with as many schools, parents and teachers as we could just to try and grasp what was the best way to help. And, and the most common answer we would get is, is something that was going to last over a longer period, mm. was made up of, of grocery staples and some fresh, fr- fresh food and could be delivered in a contactless way and picked up. Yeah. And we're able to sort of put together like a, an emergency food box, which we, we do now. They're these boxes which, which have like 10 kilos of food wow. uh, made up of fresh fruit, veggies, bread, uh, pasta, wheat bix, so good, up and go, um, Carmen's muesli bars, and all of the items in there are non-refrigerated. So even during that period where students were learning remotely, we were still able to leverage the schools as distribution point, which was really, really powerful because the schools mm. have such strong networks to their parents and particularly their parents in need yeah. where they could connect and, and they'd also use the boxes as, as a bit of a communication channel for school messages and homework and things mm. like that when the parents would come and pick it up because often like a lot of it was digital based in terms of kids learning but some families who didn't have access to that were getting hard copy homework and things like mm. that so the boxes could help there and um, even if their kids weren't learning physically at school they could come in once a fortnight and pick up the boxes and we were really lucky as an organisation. Like, there's a group called the Fruit Box, which is a for-profit company um, who sells sort of boxes of fruit, of milk, sort of office staples to big corporate groups. Mm-hmm. And um, amazing company. They've always been really generous to us and, and let us use their cool room spaces oh, across missions. Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. So yeah, that's where all our cheese, margarine, yeah, cool. when we hold an afternoon or evening sandwich making events, the sandwiches are in there overnight and out the next day. Yeah, that's where our vans start and finish. And, um, and preparing these boxes is, is sort of what they do. So we had a chat with them and said, look, if we can fundraise to prepare a box, they looked after us enormously in terms of an access point for that box. Mm. And um, we're able to fundraise like $10 for a box at like what would have a retail of nearly $40 with mm. all the other wow. items in there, like Sanitarium donated, um, Wonder White donated, Carmen's. Um, we got some uh, food packs from Jetstar recently in terms of the kids' snack packs, of, of course, with the reduced number of flights, so yeah. we were able to sort of shift. That's so smart. Quickly. How fucking good is that, like, though? Like, that's just so, like, the, the, the system around it that Jetstar, because their flights aren't flying, so they've got food or they've got things available, then the transporting of, like, homework through the delivery box home. Like, that's just so that's cool. so awesome. Yeah, I love that. Wow. Yeah. Do you, we, so you mentioned 
um, oh, I can't, the fruit box. I've seen their little things. I think one of the places near where we work, Josh, they get it delivered all the time. Mm. Um, so I've seen their little car van thing before. Yeah. But they're, so they're for profit. Correct. For you guys, not for profit, how do you stay afloat? So we get all of, we don't get any government funding. Our, our funding is purely through philanthropy, through grants, through we've got corporate partners. So um, Ashurst, which is a law firm, Accenture Consulting Group, Zero, Swiss, the RACV, we've, we've got like some really significant corporate supporters that, that make what we do possible. And then we've got food donors as well. So, of course, Goodman Fielder and Wonder White, uh, we get some support from Coles. So I, I guess like... As an operation, we try and look to diminish the cost of operating by getting food or other items donated. Yeah. And then, of course, we are so lucky because we leverage the generosity of volunteers and their time to make the sandwiches. Yeah. So if we think of the, the nature of Victoria where we've got, say, 200 schools here, we've got one driver facilitator out there in a van, so Terry, um, awesome, awesome guy. He facilitates those sandwich-making events. So he's we, we pay Terry, but Terry's what who allows us to leverage the, the volunteer goodwill across Victoria. And we've right. got um, Sam in Sydney and Tim in Brisbane who operate on a similar role. So we can make like thousands of sandwiches each week in those states thanks to that role. And then those drivers, they also do the deliveries. Mm. And because as a model, we deliver the sandwiches fresh, but then they freeze them on site, mm. um, we can, that's, how, that's how we have been able to scale. So yeah, we'll do okay. one delivery one, one day, another the next and through that three-weekly cycle mm. can reach this really significant number of, of schools with yeah. just the one staff member and one and one delivery van. Yeah. So it, it keeps the costs probably lower than you might imagine. As we get bigger, of course, it, it, it grows with, mm. with the scale. But um, we, we've sort of tried to be as savvy as we can in keeping it really lean and been lucky to get some support. Like naturally, government su- support would be a really significant sort of boost to, to what we do. But um, we don't want to rely upon any mm. one donor to the extent where if, if we know that support can often be quite fickle. So we, yeah. we try and sort of stand as much as we can on our own two feet thanks to the other support that we do get to, to be able to operate. Like that's that's really important for us. For sure. And I was I was about to trash talk Woolies before <laughs> when you said Coles because you didn't say Woolies. I'm like, Woolies at? Um, but it, yeah, it's, that's a cool that there is so many different organizations that are willing to sort of come together and I think I'm always really fascinated and I've said it before because where I have worked my whole career every role I've been a part of was either with government or has been government funded so I'm always super intrigued Mm. like when we had Jill on from Mm. St Kilda um, mums I I think I just think everybody's government funded so when you find out that people aren't I always find it quite fascinating around how that Hmm. transpires in that world, I guess, because it's not something I've been exposed to. We have been really fortunate with corporate supporters in terms of that engagement and and we often find their funding like comes with a little bit more flexibility. EDUP's growing very quickly and the model sort of evolves and and changes. So having their backing and and be able to learn from their other areas of expertise has been really helpful for us as as well. And and, um, like certainly like so many of our volunteer groups are from corporate groups. So yeah. like it's, we've been very lucky to work with, with so many companies, both big, medium and small, to, to kind of make what we do possible. And then above all, it, it's sort of that grassroots, personal, public engagement that, that sort of allows it to, to push. And that's what gives us like a significant amount of belief that we can, can continue to grow throughout Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see, I guess, 
um, without divulging your whole future plans that you might have. But do you see, obviously there's been a period here where you've had to alter your service delivery to, just because of the current climate and you've done the boxes. Do you see that something as, you know, blue sky dreaming for Eat Up? Is that something that you think you would explore in the future? Yeah, I, I think like we're actually surveying a lot of the schools now, like as 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 states start to transition back to say sandwich making and sandwich ingredients, starting mm. to understand more from them how they they feel about that mix, if they have a preference, what's their feelings about the longer term future of the box, like the box, and, and that's probably the the unique opportunity that these challenge challenging circumstances bring is they sort of in they forced us in a position of thinking differently, yeah? and, mm. and in doing that. We, the boxes have shown to have some some real benefits that uh, perhaps that the uh, can can deliver um, I guess good outcomes in other ways that the, the sandwiches do and and one that I, I think will definitely have a longer term future is our delivery model was always direct through the schools and and the sandwiches and because of that we didn't really have a means to support kids during the school holidays mm. that was always just a kind of an unfortunate gap for us we, we would always there being the school term but the sandwiches can't be distributed. Like if you're not at school, it's hard to access. Whereas these emergency food boxes, where they're they're sort of created to last over a fortnightly period, mm. we like the school holidays on now, for example, we delivered um, hundreds of the boxes just last week, and we know that the families that picked them up last week, they will last for two weeks, and then there'll be another box arriving week one. So, like I think it, at the mm. very least, like the sandwiches would continue as probably the core, of course, but in the final weeks of term, I could definitely see the boxes. It, like far away in the future, coming mm. back up to providing support through that period. And then like I've, I've always hoped as, as a longer term, like speaking yeah. to the bigger sky, that, that that Eat Up could be a spoke on a much larger wheel of support for, for families and, and kids, whether that is if we're thinking specifically around food but, but other potential social issues where we can support as well and, and perhaps like Eat Up started and, and exists today based upon that sort of simple questions of asking teachers and families uh, what can we do to help and trying to respond to that question as best we can. So yeah. I think if there is almost a suite of options, suite maybe the wrong word, but like to, to sort of to say to schools, look, here's what we're able to do. Let us know what you think is going to be best suited for, for families and kids at your school and, yeah. and, and we'll do our best to try and to, to deliver that. And it might be the sandwiches, boxes, both might be, be new new initiatives that we haven't yet sort of thought of. So um, yeah, we don't need much encouragement to think big picture. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but that's it's such an exciting one and I think probably something that we've had a little bit to do with in the current climate as well around support packs for young people and their families. Mm. But it's actually something that is so, it has such an impact, doesn't mm. it? And I, mm. think, I think that, not that we forget about it, but I think just like simple things mm. like having, or even for people to know, having things that are can be preserved over a fortnight or, mm. you know, canned items that have a long shelf life for, um, you know, not your sort of necessarily fresh food, but also being able to have an element of that, but something that's sustainable for mm. people. And it's, you're right, I think when you go back to, you know, what you and I do for work is completely separate. But at the core of it, like you were saying before, kids going to school with empty stomachs trying to concentrate and learn, it's just ridiculous. Like I think of me when I'm hungry, mm -hmm. there's just not a chance I'm paying attention to anything if I'm hungry. I'm thinking about food, like, you know, and that's their opportunity to engage in education. And I even think, you know, for the young people that I work with, often something that gets joked about is that we just take kids out for food mm -hmm. often, you know, oh, you're just going to take them to Macca's, like, you know, standard youth work 101. But for them, that might be the genuine, I'm not saying 
I'm taking all my kids to Macca's, but, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. if you're taking them to eat food, that might potentially be the one sustainable meal they've had that week. And it go it goes, I think it's very underestimated the impact that having a regular consistent diet can have on somebody. Mm. And, like, it's massive. I think we know that that's massive, but it's often something that sort of, when it comes to large social issues, it's something that's thought of but not necessarily in the context of, say, a school, of kids going to school and not having food. Because I think even when I was at school, there wasn't a really, I think um, the process was you went to the wellbeing office and said, oh, I don't have lunch today, and they'd give you a little voucher for the canteen. Yeah. Um, but I think for that, students just took the piss because they wanted something <laughs> from the canteen. You know, it wasn't that they were, you know, vulnerable or disadvantaged and need that needed that access to food. I think it's something that, yeah, it's not a program that I've heard of, so I think it's mm-hmm. awesome. But I also think that it's such a pivotal thing to be engaging in educational, even just your daily activities, mm. and to do so with a full tummy. Yeah. yeah. You know? So true. And, and I think food has wider-reaching benefits than just simply the nutritional element and the feeling of being exactly. full. Like, yeah. we know as a society or as, 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 a, as, as the world at large, there's these global languages and, and food is one of those. It's how yeah. we often connect socially. It's, yeah. And, like, we, we often will hear stories about the school and it, you can imagine it's isolating at, at lunchtime or recess when you haven't got anything and, and mm. you sit around with your mates and everyone's eating and, and that's that's sort of what we do. We, we, we connect and we, we share a meal together. So um, I, I think there are other sort of great great sort of parts that are key to, to that, that sort of work as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think for young people as well at school, like how sad for, for that mm. young person to hang out with your friends at lunchtime that are all eating their lunches that you don't, Mm. like, you don't have. Like, I think it would be such a, it would be a very divisive thing in an already divisive world for a young person where they're, you know, adolescent development, they're trying to find their place in the world, they're trying to find who they are and who they want to be and where they belong. Mm. It's just another thing on top of that. And I I think you're right. Like, as soon as you were saying, you know, food's something we connect over, I, like, instantly thought of breaking bread. Mm. And it's so true because it is something that you. I think of some of the even the best memories that I have spending with my family. It's around you know the dinner table that you're all sitting there and you're sharing food and a meal and amongst you know I'm pretty lucky that my stepmom's a killer cook. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's something that there's not a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for. I don't think there's a lot of weight put on how valid um, mm. and how like important that mm. is. Yeah, I they're mean, not the words I was looking for, but we'll take those. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The something that hit me is one of the, the video on the front page of your website um, where you talk about a teacher quoting, uh, and you mentioned it at the start, but it was um, if you're hungry, you can't concentrate. If you can't concentrate, you can't learn. And I think about my son. Mm. Um, you know, when we were starting to figure out like his eating patterns and things and he was sort of three, four, not when he was just eating when he was tall and baby food and stuff, but genuinely just like eating like a regular human. Sometimes he was like losing his mind, like whether it was misbehaving, cry, like crying and acting out and we're like, what is going on? And then quite quickly, luckily, we're like, he's hungry. Mm. Like, and we'll give him a banana and then five minutes after finishing his banana, it's like, please, thank you, normal behaviour, you know, just completely settled and we're like, oh, my gosh, what a difference, you know. Yeah. And you're thinking about kids at a primary school age sitting in a classroom, which is difficult enough to sit in a space and learn, like, just that impact that EDUP would have. 
Mm. If I relate one small little moment of time with my son eating banana mm. to like a you know an older child in a classroom trying to take on information and being hungry, it's just a, it's an amazing um, initiative that you've set set out. And the, the I guess the first of all, I guess like the humbleness that you hold yourself in is, is amazing. Yeah. But I think the element of backing yourself into doing it and and just continuing to challenge the different situations that you um, face is really cool and such a cool program. And I love that you've got that kind of, I guess, going back to it, the community aspect of food Mm. is you've got whether it's six or 130 people all standing around tables making food together goes back to the core of like that human kind of behaviour of all like preparing food and you know, celebrating sort of that concept. So cool. Mm. So awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Like it is, it's it's such a community effort. It, it's the atmosphere at those events is, is so special to see. Like mm. um, that, that's that's like we try and when we share the message of, of Eat Up or what we hope to do, it's it's just trying to empower people where they they can make a difference where they live and, and it doesn't take a lot to make a sandwich and, and a sandwich all it takes to, to sort of try and solve this problem in, in this context. So that's what we're trying to sort of share more than anything. And it's interesting you mentioned the story about your son. Like that's very similar anecdote to what we hear from so many of the, the teachers. And, and like, you, like you said, the kids in the classroom and, and when you, the child's starting to become disruptive or, or sort of um, sort of can, can tell is it, not able to focus, they'll often have a sort of quiet word. And, and when they're identifying the kids, it can often be behavioural patterns like the, the mm-hmm. teacher's um, are very quick to identify those and, and they've also got this sort of really deep understanding of the circumstances of the child and yeah. the family context. So um, as much as we can, like we try and support the teachers to help the kids and, and like teachers and, and you guys are, are the, the frontline workers in terms of the, where the help is administered. So I think that's what we try and do as and organisations and, and volunteers at large is to, to try and best resource those working at the front line, which is in our context, teachers, and, and, and of course, you guys in the work that you do. So, mm. yeah, we're grateful for what you guys do more <laughs> than anything. You know, we, we, nah. we just try and help where we can. Nah. I was going to um, trash talk you out then, but I contained Me? myself. Yeah, I was. I was just going to make a joke at your expense. Um, <laughs> do you guys, I completely forgot to ask this before. I knew I had another question. Um, this, uh, this happens to me. I've thought I disappear all the time. Do you predominantly do... Um, like do you do primary and high school or do you predominantly do primary or do you see any? No, you don't want to do high school. Too much those high school kids eat. Linden high school be... kids are also terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> Linda will be off his feet if he did high school. You don't actually do high school, do you? We, we do, actually. Oh, no, you are we do crazy, both. You are a crazy wow. person. <laughs> we, we do both. It's, there's a few more primary schools than high schools that we support overall, like across the, the broad spread of the yeah. numbers. Yeah. But we often find that the high schools have a much larger student population. So mm, it, it, it perhaps levels out a little bit as far in terms yeah. of the number of kids. And, and there are differences, as you guys could imagine, I, I, I'm sure, like, in terms of how it's administered at the schools, of course, like um, there's there's far like as a you can imagine like around adolescence, like you said, of being identified of needing the support. There's an added element of sensitivity and, and yeah. perhaps a preference to just miss out rather than be identified yeah, necessarily sure. of needing that support. So it takes an added added sort of level of um, administration from the teacher's mm. perspective, and, and often like we'll try and engage with the school. To directly in a way or the teachers to, to, to try and help them that's going to make it as seamless as possible support the kids but even I know through some schools like we we can try and engage with the schools directly to they'll op- 
often open up those clubs. So say in the primary schools where the, the teachers can be more direct, where each of the sandwiches going to a child who otherwise would have missed out. I know a lot of the high schools we support will often open up the, yeah. like a lunch club, so to speak, a little more. Okay. Yeah. So it's not explicitly saying come here if you don't have a lunch. Yeah. But but come, come here. If, and yeah. And, and then it's it's so you aren't by coming you aren't identifying yourself necessarily as need, but if but the majority of those kids coming will yeah. will sort of be accessing support. Um, but it sort of removes some of that stigma. They can sit around with some more of their, their sort of friends and, and the like. So we try and work as closely as we can with those high schools to, to see where we can sort of support to make it as accessible and sort of acceptable for, for those kids there too. Yeah, for sure. Mm, that's really cool. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, it's been so, it's been really, um, it's like when you hear good news stories. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. We, yeah, we'll yeah, often yeah. talk about like word. the negative things that happen in our jobs and, you know, we have team meetings and we share, you know, this happened and that happened. There's this new drug on the out on the street at the moment. But then someone will come in like, my kid's, you know, engaged in a program and got a job. And not that other guests don't come with positive or cool stories, but, I, like, I'm just, I feel like. I think what you're trying to say, I think I'm probably similar. I'm doing hand best. signals. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Audio only. I'm going to start videoing you, I think, in these moments. So something you did the other day, yeah. your facial expression, I was so like, good. people need to see this. Yeah, um, but I think it's very humbling as well. Because inspiring, I think, I think yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I think inspiring, absolutely, but I think because you're all so humble about it. Yeah, but yeah. it's mm. for us, I think we're probably, yeah, we're a bit in awe, I mm. guess. I'm a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're being too generous, you guys. So. No, not at all. Not at all. What you're <laughs> doing I, is if fucking I've given wild. The, it's awesome. The feeling that eat up is, you know, it too centered around me. That that's that's not no. what I sort of. No, uh, not at all. There would be a people. Like there the, would be lots of people the, in a team, and we mm. understand that. But also, it came. It, come from, it comes yeah. from a place where you, you know, read an Mom's article, kitchen. and then you made some food in Mum's kitchen. I think that I just think that that's so fucking amazing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, we finish all of our podcasts with one question, right? Which is, if you had some uh, pieces of advice for new people in the field, or maybe someone wants to change the direction that they're going, yeah, yeah. Um, or someone that wanted to start a business, totally, someone that yeah. wanted to take sandwiches to a local school to disadvantage <laughs> young people. Well, I think that sort of thing we've touched on a lot today, just yeah. around like if, if, like often that that sort of gut reaction, that sort of instinct, that impulse you feel when you, whether it's reading a story or see something or something that strikes you that's a passion and, and you you initially think, yeah, I want to do that. And and then you'll often have this like cognitive dissonance or kind of thinking, oh, what about this? Or what if that happened? What if that happened? And then you'll kind of talk yourself out of it. But For sure. but just to, to try it and, and and just do it as we touched on earlier or or, or give it a shot. Like I, I think the the lessons that come with sort of failure, so to speak, and, and I think failure can be such a loaded word. I think there's so many benefits that come from making mistakes and and, and sort of progress and growth is often a, a zigzag rather than a sort of straight line, so to speak. Mm. So just giving it a shot and whether it, like that could revolve, that could relate to your career or work or relationship or travel or sport, like I think it's just the good way to live, you know, like you, there's not too much to lose in our context when we're living in a really lucky country and fortunate spot. Get, yeah. Get out there and give it a shot. For sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us yeah. today. No worries. Thanks, thanks for man. thanks for having me. Thanks really? for Lindy as well for, yeah, for uh, yes. giving me the, 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 Absolutely. The, the tip and connecting with you guys. I'm yes. yeah, really grateful she did. It's, it's yeah, awesome. we it's were so excited. Yeah. And yeah. on that, if there is anybody listening that has 
anyone that you think, um, you know, we often ask for suggestions or guests or people that you would like for us to speak to. If there's anybody that you would like to hear on the podcast, let us know because we're super excited. For that's how tonight happened. That's exactly how tonight's yeah. occurred. Yeah. That's amazing. We've been very lucky. So thanks again. It's uh, been yeah. lovely. Thank really you both so much. It. I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. You too. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. Please like and share the podcast, invite your friends and colleagues into the group and get in touch if there are any guest speakers you'd like to hear from or any topics you'd like covered. Take care and enjoy your week.